Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Welcome, boys and girls, to an, a High Five the Podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> I like your... I want to add, like, ambiance. We're telling stories here. Yes. We're telling lullabies and fairy tales. I'm your fairy godmother, Q. And I'm your fairy step godfather, Ooh. Jay. You're not my real dad. You can't tell me what to do. I am your real dad, and I will tell you what to do. High five! If I have to! Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it! Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, called High Fivea. Mmm, mm, it's a mythical land. I, I like it, I like it. There were two podcasters who decided to come together for a top five episode featuring dark and horrifying fairy tales. Whoa, whoa, didn't my, see that one coming, I did, did My you? heart skipped a beat. That a was an M. Night Shyamalan twist. I like it. I, it's kind of like The Village, except nothing like The Village. I was hoping you were going to say, it's like The Village, but good. <laughs> Some people like The Village, so I don't want to discriminate. Um, but it's sort of like that uh, movie's parable-like. That's it is. It's a parable. Um, I, I don't know if you have it on your list, but The Lady in the Water is also a parable. I don't have it uh, on my fa- list. Fairy tale s. But it I is don't have it on my list either. Um, I was actually okay. So we're doing dark fairy tales. We are doing dark fairy this tales this week, but not um, like fairy tales just with the lights out. No, like no, like dark in tone. At, at first, I thought that's what we were doing. So, like, my number five was Cinderella with the sharpness way down. Got it. Um, got it. Like got parentheses, it, got it. sharpness way down. Got it. But I think I, I have I've corrected. You, correct, you course I've, corrected. I've course corrected a little bit. Um, we've actually sort of been preparing uh-huh. for this throughout the week yeah. because we watched uh, we watched the Disaster Artist, which is kind of a fairy tale. It is. Um, Tommy Wiseau. It is, is definitely a very about dark a goblin. Character. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And that's not where you were going with it, but I thought no. that's where you're going with it. Um and we watched uh um we watched that mom and dad movie. Ooh. Which speaking of a dark and hideous sorcerer ex- from a land exactly. far, far away, you Nicolas know, Cage. I went in really excited about the mom and dad movie because yeah. not only is it Nicolas Cage, you got Selma Blair in there. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Um, it's done by the guy who did, who does that Happy show on FX, which oh, I really like. I really like that too. And the guy who did the first two cranks. Oh, Neville, so, is it Neville Dean or Taylor or something like that? One of them. I remember. One of the two. Yeah. But I enjoyed those with like the, the frenetic style uh-huh. and the craziness. Um, this movie has that, but just isn't good. Aww. I know. 
It's, That's a bummer because I watched the trailer and I was like, ooh, I want to see just yeah. the concept. And like, I didn't even mind. I, f- I figured it was a perfect vehicle for Crazy Cage. And it is. And that's the thing is if everybody in the movie operated on the same level that Nicolas Cage is operating at, like he's full on crazy cage and it's great. Rage cage. But Selma Blair is like really subdued. Um, There's very little gore in it, ironically. Really? Yeah, weirdly. And well, then, I saw that and immediately thought that it was going to be, like, super graphically violent. Right. And it's very violent, but it's all, like, insinuated violence. Like, right. something will happen and it's right off screen. Or you'll and hear, you're like, oh, no! Yeah, you'll see, you'll see like, the shadow of a ball-peen hammer and then you hear smooshy sounds. Like, gotcha. it's that type of stuff. Is it? Do you think they did it off camera because it involves parents killing children? Maybe. Like, there's a lot of... I mean, the premise of the film is just that all the parents murder their kids. They've for, all parents for, have gone crazy. Yeah, for no reason. That's never explained. So they never the are like, "It's a virus," nope. or "It was a radio frequency." No, it's, it's just, just like, never explained. Nope, parents now murder children. Yeah, they kind of hint that it's some sort of signal that comes out over the TVs. Okay, but like there were uh, the one scene. There is one scene where a woman gives birth and then immediately kind of turns Yikes. on it. And that one's the most graphic scene in the movie. Um, but the rest just doesn't live up to it. Okay. it's I'd probably say it's worth a watch for you. Um, but I think you'll be slightly disappointed by That's it. That's a bummer because the concept seemed like right. a shoe-in for – and I wasn't looking for Oscar-worthy performances. Sure, sure. I'm just looking for like a good, fun, yeah. like schlocky – crazy movie you'll have fun with nick cage okay but he's just not in it enough doing that sure to really make, to make it to work, justify it. to justify like the 90 or 110 minutes that that i watch well, sucks I, w- I would say give it a shot but right. you will probably find that you're in the same boat as me as you just kind of just like, were right. a little disappointed I got um, it. Well, that's what that's what we watched. Did you watch any lullabies or fairy tales um, this week? I watched uh, a fairy tale come true with Guillermo del Toro winning Ooh, an Oscar. Finally, for The Shape of Water. My goodness, finally! We I were live tweeting the Oscars, and I was from our really happy about hashtag that. Super Secret uh, high, high Five, five. Oscar yeah. Party. That, oh, it's High Five Super Secret Oscar Party. That's it. Hashtag. High five, super secret Oscar party. You Maybe can check next out year some, you guys uh, will be invited, but May- this year but you weren't. Maybe. Maybe. If you're good. Um, man, yeah, I'll actually, I'll, for as I would say milk toast kind of as the Oscars were this year, uh-huh. I was happy to see Sam Rockwell finally get something for his oh, career. Man. I was happy to see Gary Oldman finally walk away with an award. I was happy to see, you know, Guillermo finally get something. How about Jordan Peele getting best original screenplay? And, and that's the last one. I was super excited that Jordan Peele got. Um, Did you see the photo like, floating around Instagram or Twitter maybe of uh, Keegan-Michael Key like reacting? Oh, like when he has He's like jumping up. through yeah. the air. Yeah. That was so awesome. <laughs> well, there's also a picture of him like giving him a huge hug at like this after party oh, or something. That's awesome. It's, it's really, it's really cool. Um there's something else that came out. Oh, uh, Jordan Peele also posted a picture of like his Emmy uh-huh. uh, for uh, Key and Peele next to his Oscar, and it was uh, that was floating around. It was pretty funny. Cute. Um, but yeah, no, I was really happy, really happy about that. Um, Oscars were fun, but that's kind of what inspired that win is what inspired mm-hmm. our list this oh, week. It was definitely what because did. it got us talking about uh, the shape of water and and yeah. how much we love. 
Guillermo del Toro, especially, who tends to kind of lean heavy into the, this genre of dark fairy right. tale, these dark parables, right. these, these very like um, fantastic stories, but that definitely have a very adult hard edge to them. Adult hard edge and like usually some sort of moral or message to them. Sure. Um, I, that's one of the things that I've always loved about Guillermo del Toro. Uh, even before we started talking about doing this list, I mean, you know I'm a huge fan of his, but I love how he incorporates those fairy tale elements into almost everything that he does. I mean, even, you know, Hellboys that he did. Um, I love The Orphanage, but he didn't direct that one. Um, but man, it's just, I love his little touches of the fantastical. Um, yeah. And it really does set the stage well for a dark fairy tale. Now, having said that, we possibly defined dark fairy tale quite differently. So what were you okay. looking for in this? Sure. Uh, dark fairy tales. So for me, I looked for movies, uh, basically what you described. Uh, movies that had parable-esque stories um, that dealt with some sort of fantastical element, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that definitely tease. had a very hard adult edge to it. Sure. So something that was dark, something possibly gruesome, possibly just disturbing in context. Right. Um, but definitely wasn't just your like fairy godmother Cinderella story. This is more like yeah. the fairy godmother Cinderella story where she cuts her toes off. Yeah, or the, the original the, one. The yeah. stepsisters cut their toes off to yeah. bleed in the shoes while they're trying to squeeze into them. And then when they don't marry the prince, their rotting corpses are on the sides of the wedding aisle being eaten by birds while they're getting married. Exactly. Which, by the way, is the best way to end the Cinderella story because those two bitches deserved it. Oddly enough, in the original cut of Cinderella's by Disney... Uh, but that? that that was the original ending. I totally, Disney went hard in the paint. I, totally, I don't, know if you know I don't that. believe you on that one. Uh, that, that, that feels more like a Don Blue Hashtag thing. high five true facts. <laughs> don't fact check it. Just trust it. <laughs> the original cut of Disney Cinderella yep. ended with Anastasia and... Molestasia. <laughs> and Molestasia having their eyes eaten by crows yep. as Cinderella married the prince. Yep. Look it up. 100%. Don't look it up. Hashtag high five. The hard facts. part was um, it. the audiences were fine with it. Totally fine with it. The people who had the problem with it, honestly, merchandisers. Yeah. They were like, it's going to be hard to sell a kid's lunchbox, one of those tin lunchboxes, right. with just the sister's eyes being eaten out by birds. Because right. they're like, well, we get the connections. Like lunchtime, you're going to eat, and the birds are also right, having eating. lunchtime. But, like, uh, we really don't think the tin full of gelatinous eyes is going to sell well with right. kids and as you in know, the 50s. Disney, all about that merchandising. It is. So if it doesn't merchandise well, it's got to go. Out. It's out. If it don't merchandise well, it ain't swell. So, it's got, <laughs> so it can go to hell. <laughs> that's, that's why the original version, or that's why the uh, theatrical version of uh, Fantasia uh -huh. does not have... I was going to say the rape scene, but I don't want to yeah. make that joke. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we're we'll going to backpedal. We're just going to make... Just pretend I didn't make a broomstick rape joke, and we're going to move on. Yes. And uh, and back to... Dark fairy tales. Dark fairy tales. Which was kind of that like Fantasia. Kind of, you were heading to, yeah. towards a dark fairy tale. <laughs> For 
for sure. So yeah, I'm. Kinda... You were heading towards dark fairy tale. <laughs> right. Yes. That and that's that's not the definition that I used for this, which was uh, probably fortuitous. Sure. Probably very very good. Um. Yeah. For me, it's very similar. Like I looked for things that had some sort of moral morality play to them, some sort of moral lesson that you could glean from it. Um, I like when in fairy tales how like the evil and the good are pretty fairly defined. Um, and then there's you they usually kind of follow similar acts of, you know, introduction, growth, danger, sure. resolution, moral. Um, and so that that's kind of where I narrowed it down to. Now there are a couple on my list that I can definitely justify as being dark fairy tales, but right. others might disagree, but you know what? I don't care. Cause and, cause and I feel like that's kind of how my list is going to play out as well. So right. I'm, I, I'm not, um, this is kind of a broad category. You know a what little, I mean? Like it's not one where we can go, Oh, these are horror movies, right? And it's either a horror movie or not a horror right. movie. This can be either fantastical Maybe not fantastical, but as long as it has that para- – for me, as long as it had that parable-esque feel yeah. and it had, like you said, a very clearly defined kind of force of good and force right. of bad, um, I kind of treated it as a potential for a fairy tale. Now, I will say all of mine have a fantastical element to them. Okay. I have, Every single one. I have one that doesn't quite have a fantastical element. I'm curious on what it is because I have a couple honorable mentions that I'm curious if uh, that would that would fit that bill. Yeah, I think um, I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm, well, then I'm excited. Let's just get into it. Let's no get into more, it. So, no more Gavin. So Jay, kick me off with your number five dark fairy tale. All right. So this one, I guess, could be argued. This is one that I watched as a kid and just love okay and was obsessed with and kept coming back to when i was putting this list together sure it was one of the ones that was kind of like it doesn't really fit but it does really fit sure and it's legend by ridley scott amazing right i it's amazing because it was also my number five was it oh yes. did you moved you changed it i did change okay it. well let's talk about legend then because yes. that means it's an honorable it's, mention no, for you. it's still on my list oh. it is on my list at number four. Oh, okay yeah but so pretty counts. damn close legend is so good legend right? is amazing tim curry is the as devil the, tim curry well as the darkness, darkness. i was about to say, say very clear not the devil. Okay, well, looks like the devil. Fuck everyone who says it's not the devil. It's the He's devil. He's a gigantic red guy with ten pound horns on his He's head. He's totally the devil. He's totally the devil. One hundred percent the devil. He is Dave Grohl style <laughs> devil right. from uh, Pick of Destiny. Yes. Speaking of Dave Grohl, we've got Tom Cruise, like <laughs> sporting some Dave Grohl hair for in sure. This movie, As which, Jack, which is his natural hair. What? Yeah. It wasn't was, a wig? That was not a wig. I looked it up because back in those days, Tom Cruise had a thing about cutting his hair. So that was the longest it had ever gotten. So they locked him in and filmed the movie. That's crazy. I know. So that's the longest that his hair has ever been natural on film. What? Yeah, I And know. he was sporting some like sweet 80s oh, hairband hair in epic this movie. Well, because I think this came out... Um, Oh, man, when did this come out? Let's 92? see, 85. Uh, 85, wow, I was way wow. off. Wow, uh, this movie. This was like right around, uh, like. Okay, wait, 85 in the UK, it was 86 in the US. Okay, 
Well, this was right around like Born on the Fourth of July, and he had pretty long hair in Born on the Fourth of July. Totally. So like this is around that time where we have uh, well, what was that one with him and Nicole Kidman? Far and away. Oh yeah. When he had yeah, pretty yeah. long hair. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so this was right around that time. Um, but man, I really this is a movie that if you asked me to sit down and tell you the plot. I would have a tough time doing it. I'd be like, there were some unicorns, I think. Yep. There's a goblin that's bad at the beginning, but maybe good later. Jack and this spoiled girl. Some, You've got Meg Mucklebones in this so, movie? Something like that, yeah. And then, but Jack gets frozen in a lake, and the girl gets kidnapped by the devil, and Jack comes back and has to correct the world by fixing this unicorn, but then Satan's trying to marry Lily, I think is her name. Yeah, Lily. Um, and Jack wants to marry her. and It is kind of a convoluted story. The thing that I remember is Tom Cruise fighting Tim Curry down. For sure. And I re- that visual is burned into my brain. I remember that. Um, I remember uh, the the uh, elf, Honeythorn. Right. I remember oh, yeah. him. And uh, I totally remember Meg Mucklebones because yeah. Meg Mucklebones used to scare the living it's shit fucking scary. out of me. It's like this weird melted woman who lives in a swamp, um, and she is horrifying. Looking. Well, and she's trying to eat. Uh, she's trying to eat Tom Cruise. Right. Like that's what she does. Is she eats people? It's gross. And it's yes. Oh, I'm looking up a picture right now, and that's yes. She's disturbing. Horrifying. And it's Ridley Scott though. Like. Dude knows how to make a movie. Yeah. So this is like high fantasy. Very. This is pure, straight up fantasy fairy tale. For sure. It, it, even Ridley Scott's gone so far as saying it was inspired by Beauty and the Beast, Fantasia, and Bambi. It is. And and you can tell. Yes. In the movie, you can 100% tell because isn't Jack, isn't he like an, an a... He's an elf. He's I was about wood, to say like an he's elf. He's a wood dweller. Well, okay. they call him... Like a nymph, a wood say, nymph, or a yeah. fairy. They never say he's an elf, but he's like a wood nymph. Right. Yeah, he's like a wood a wood dweller is what they call Got him. Got it, okay. Um, which is basically wood nymph. He's like elf. a wood nymph, right. Um, now, there is also a rumor that this, was, this movie was the inspiration for some of the original Zelda games. I could... Absolutely, and I see want that. that to be true. So For I'm just sure. going to believe it. So this may be the Zelda movie yeah. that people have been clamoring for for years. That's what I tell people when they say we need a Zelda movie. I'm like, go watch Legend, motherfucker. It's already happened. It's already <laughs> happened, and you'll enjoy it. It's so good, though. It like, is a really good movie, and, and, again, and great practical effects. Man, the best. And they still hold up, which is the crazy part. I watched this movie probably about a year ago. Oh, really? I haven't seen it in a decade. And I think I watched, they put out a director's cut, I want to say, on, like, Blu-ray. Now, that I do know. The director's cut apparently is the one to watch. Right, and it's, like, 20 minutes longer than the theatrical cut. Well, because apparently, I was reading some interviews, Tom Cruise did not like the cut that was released in American theaters because he wanted Ridley Scott's director cut. And so he wouldn't even talk about the movie yeah. for years. Yep. And then Roger Ebert added it to like a best of list, but only the director's cut. Right. He said that's the only version worth watching. So Which, did it, you ever watch the you watch the director's cut? Sure, but so I also watched the, the original. Ending. Yes. They have different endings. Right. The director's cut. I don't ending. remember what the original was because this was my first time watching it again, though. Oh really? The since original I was ending, a kid. The original ending is them getting together. 
Oh. And them just like walking off into the woods with the unicorns like happen. happen. Oh, okay. Like the director's cut is them basically saying, you're a low life wood nymph and I'm not going to be with you. Right. We're just, you're going to be in the friend zone. Right. Forever. And that's it. Yeah. And he just happily goes back into the forest and dances with the animals. Right. Which yeah. is a much darker, darker ending. ending, which makes it fit more here. For sure. But M- man. More here. Yeah. I'm so glad it's on your yeah. list. This was one that I thought I might be alone on. And it, No, not at all. And it's a solid number four on my list. It was my number five. It got bumped up because the one, my number five is going to be my one non-fantastical okay. elemented movie. Is that and so therefore so it needed to be at my number five, right? Because it's, it doesn't have fantasy. While it is, it is fairy tale-esque and you'll yeah. see why. I, I'll, I'll probably agree. It's, uh, it, there is no, there are no real fantastical elements in the movie okay. at all. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I said, all of mine do. Now, I will say this is the most fantastical. Okay, so this is the highest fantasy. All the rest of them have a good balance. Okay. All right. So I respect that. And I'll actually move right on to number four. Okay. Um, My number four is Shape of Water. Nice. By Guillermo. Nice. I danced around on where this should be. I think I have a good a fondness for this movie because I've seen it so recently and it just won the Oscar. But in reality, the ones that are higher than it, I think are just better. Better. Um, I do not think, I'll play my hand a little bit, I do not think this is Guillermo's best fantasy movie. Sure. I don't think it's his best fairy tale movie. Sure. Um, I, it does prove to me, though, that when he's working within the confines of dark fairy tale structure, that's where he shines. That's his wheelhouse. That's his, like, that's the bread and butter of, I kind of hope from now on, Every Those are movie. the type of movies that he yeah, makes. Exactly. I, I liked Crimson Peak fine. Sure. I like Hellboy too. I will actually say I'm gonna. I'll go on record saying that I think Crimson Peak for me, even over Pacific Rim, is m- my least favorite Guillermo del Toro movie. Really? I really didn't enjoy it. I thought I think it was Mimic okay. is my least favorite. I fucking love Mimic. Mimic is good, but I don't think it's a Guillermo movie. It's pretty fucking good, but you're right. It's not a Guillermo that's what movie. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting the quality of that yeah. movie. I'm saying it's not a Guillermo I would still movie. choose, like, um, over Crimson Peak, I would still choose Hellboy. Hellboy 2. Oh, man. Those, both of them. Kronos. Uh, mm-hmm. Devil's Backbone. Devil's Backbone is the one I was going to mention. I love Devil's Backbone. Yeah. Any, any of those movies. For me, Crimson Peak, I feel like... Um, Honestly, this is going to sound weird, especially considering the con- like the content of the movie, mm-hmm. the fact that it dealt with like incest right. and weird whatever. Um, it felt like the most watered down Guillermo del Toro movie. I, like I feel like it could have been a lot darker and a lot mm-hmm. more intense, but I feel like it kind of got yeah, it kind of got studio noted yeah down. Well, given the cast. Given the setting, and I will say that one was also beautiful. Uh huh. All that, of his movies yeah, are beautiful. That's true. That one, to me, I was the most disappointed by because I went in with really high hopes. Like sure. the trailers were great. You're like the gothic love horror. Yep. Ge- totally. Guillermo's doing it. Right. Come on, I'm on board for this. Sure. And it just did. That one disappointed me. You know, Pacific Rim, I basically got what I expected. Sure. You know, giant robots fighting, fighting giant kaiju monsters. Exactly. Is it great? No. No. Do I want to watch it again? Eh. I'm not stoned right now. Right. So, like, no. 
but yeah, so back to Shape of Water. Yeah. Shape of Water, I feel like, is him in his wheelhouse. Sure. Um, I think that when it comes to dark fairy tales, this is it was it's being told as a tale by Richard Jenkins Absolutely. to the audience. It ends, spoiler alert, on a not so happy note, but possibly Possibly happy, happy? Like kind of fairy tales do. Michael Shannon is an incredible villain. Um, you know, again, what a lot of these movies do is they take the classic fairy tale structure where it's like a prince fighting a monster right. and they make the monster the hero. That right. happens a lot in these. Sure. Um, and this is kind of, this does the same type of thing, whereas the true monster is man right. type of thing. Right. But man, if you're going to have a monster as a man, it's Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon all the way. It's the guy to go to. For sure. Um, and so, you know, I thought I, I, I was impressed by Shape of Water. Um, I thought, while I wouldn't have voted for it for Best Picture this year, I'm not upset that it won. Sure. Um, I'll tell you who else was great in this movie. Michael Stolberg. Oh, man. Don't even get me started on Stolberg. I am so mad that he was in three Best Picture nominees and didn't, and didn't even get, get a, a fucking single nom. At the, oh, Nothing. He's And he should have won an Oscar for Fargo, the TV series, even yeah. though he's a TV series. Yeah. He's so good in everything for sure and the fact that he not only didn't get nominated but didn't even get mentioned is just a travesty sure i thought he was one of the stronger parts of shape of water now i will say his character was really interesting i liked the whole idea of the kind of russian spy spy scientist but then like struggling with whether or not he agreed with the agenda of you know, I don't know. It was good. Here's what I'll say. In anybody else's hands, aside from Stuhlbarg, I would have hated that character. Okay. Because it didn't really fit with the story. Michael Shannon was enough sure. of an antagonist. Sure. Her being mute with the fish guy and there being a scientist who wanted to study it for the betterment of humankind as opposed to killing it is enough of uh, of a a push and pull like Michael Shannon wants to kill it. Stuhlbarg wants to save it, it, study it. She wants to fuck it. Like right. <laughs> that's, that's a good enough triangle for me. I don't need a Russian spot. Sure. I don't, but because Michael is so good, I believed it and got really invested in that storyline. Yeah. Because if it had just been anybody else, I probably wouldn't have cared. And I would have thought that it was extraneous. Sure. And I still, kind of think that you could cut the whole Russian thing out of that movie and no one would notice. Sure. Like what difference would it make really to the plotting of that film? It might lengthen I'll the timeline a little bit. I really feel like could have been cut out of this movie Octavia Spencer. Her character seemed wholly unnecessary. Well, and she got the nom for best supporting. I know. Which, and you and I talked about, the only thing I can come down to, and I think I told you this, is that she is the voice of, she's like expository character where the movie, I feel like people feel the movie wouldn't work without her, but I think it would. I feel like between Richard Jenkins' character and the Michael Stolberg scientist character, mm-hmm. they both play enough of the part yes. of Octavia Spencer's character that yeah, it would have been fine. Well, and, and I'll, I'll put this out there. I think that had, well, 
I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say definitively because McDormand deserves it. Sure. Had Octavia Spencer not been in the movie, I think Sally Hawkins would have had a better shot at winning Best Actress because she would have had to carry sure. more of the movie. I think some of because she's fantastic in that movie. Oh, I'm she's not amazing. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to take anything away from her, but I do think the fact that Octavia is there narrating everything that her face is already emulating takes away from some of her performance. Had she carried the movie in silence without a narrator, that would have been more impressive to me. Totally agreed. So that's, that's where a, I kind of land. That's on a it. solid number four, man. Yeah. So that's one. That's it. Um, pretty good. Pretty so good. now we need your number five, right? You do. Cause you already know my number I know, four. I know your number four, which is so good. So my number five, this Ooh. one's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Is my, it, is it a Coen Brothers movie? Nope. Okay. Uh, I will tell you. I'll give you the director. We'll okay. see if you can go, you know, go yeah, this way. Yeah, let me try and guess. Uh, the Directed by Matthew Bright. Oh, fuck. Is it, wait. Is it Take Shelter? Nope. Wait, that's not directed by Matthew Bright. Nope. What is it? Starring, I'll give you some of the lower players. Okay. Uh, Bokeem Woodbine. Uh, Dan Hedaya. Amanda Plummer. Brooke Shields. Nothing. I'll give you the I'm, two main characters. I'm struggling you ready? on this one. Kiefer Sutherland and Reese Witherspoon. Is it Freeway? It is Freeway. Freeway is one of my honorable mentions. Freeway is my number five. That one. That one was one. That one is an honorable because mention. it totally takes. It's totally a, a Red Riding Hood. A Red Riding Hood story. Uh huh. And then just puts it in without. It strips it of the fantastical yep. elements and puts it in. A gritty, yeah, uh, real world, yeah, nineteen ninety six United I States. I'm glad scenario. that you mentioned this. I would put it out there that ninety percent of our audience has never heard of or seen this movie, and it's one of Kiefer's better performances. Oh man, Kiefer Sutherland is awesome he in this movie. Kills it. He in is this movie terrifying. Yeah, in this movie. he really is. It's like you know you want, you want to know kind of a good, I would think analogous uh, comparison. Yeah. That movie is a better version of California with a K with Brad Pitt. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. It's a better version of that movie. I totally agree. And, and it's one that very few people have seen. So 96, basically the gist is, um, uh, Reese Witherspoon plays Vanessa. Um, she's just this really like white trash, um, girl living in Los Angeles, and basically she gets she ends up um, she's dating this guy. Uh, it, I think it's it's Bokeem Woodbine. I think so. I think I um, think you're right. And yeah, and his name is Chopper Wood. Amazing, right? Yeah, because you know yeah. he's the woodsman. He's the woodsman. Um, and, and, and then and they cast Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but then you've got, uh, she runs like, up against uh, Bob Wolverton. Right. Played by Kiefer Sutherland. They're super subtle. That's what I like about yeah, this Yeah, it's just, movie. they really just kind the, of like. The other thing that I love is how subtle her wardrobe is. How she's always wearing a red hoodie or red skirt. Right. For to really like drive the, the, the point home. Uh, the tagline for the movie was, her life is no fairy tale. <laughs> so they really were like selling it. Uh, but it was basically, like a dark version of a Cinderella story, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so this one, I mean, basically, 
Bob, she ends up hitching a ride with this guy, Bob, who reveals along their way that he is a serial killer. Who turns out to, to be, be a, a serial, serial killer, it's, a.k.a. the wolf. It's the reverse of, like, the why you don't pick up hitchhikers. Right. It's, if you hitchhike, you could be picked up by a serial by a killer. By a serial killer. Who's a wolf taking you to grandma's house. Right. And that's where she's going. She's yeah. on her way to her grandmother's house, and he reveals that he's a serial killer of young girls. He tries to kill her. She ends up shooting him. Right. And that's where things kind of take an interesting turn. <laughs> expound good sir because, for the listeners who don't know because then she gets arrested for shooting him and the rest of the movie kind of plays out in a courtroom yeah. with him who he is now he has survived but he's been severely handicapped <laughs> by the shooting and it's basically him pressing charges against her right for trying to kill him I really wish the movie had gone so far as to him, her shooting him. They separate because he knew where she was going. He runs and Hannibal Lecter's her grandmother. Sure. And then like wears her skin. That would and, like lays been... in the bed and is like, come here. That would I have been. I kind of wish they doubled down on the theme. Amazing. That's not what happens. And it does kind of end in the same way that the story ends. So yeah. um, it ends with her going to her grandmother's yeah. house. Bob has now gotten out and has He's killed. Hiding, yeah. Has killed her grandmother. He's hiding. And then it kind of ends with uh, Vanessa uh, killing <laughs> the yeah. wolf. So the woodsman does not save her. No. Uh, she saves herself. Good for her. Um, Female empowerment. And that's kind of it. So it's it is it's a good it movie. Follows, it's crazy. It is a crazy but movie. But it's good. And it is good. I. It's one of those, like I said, and like you said, I have a feeling a lot of people listening to this have not seen this right. movie. It's not a widely like, oh, man, have you seen Freeway? You need to check that movie right. out. It came out in the mid-90s. It was kind of like a weird movie. It had kind of a pulpy, like, direct-to-video mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. Um, it feels very, like, subversive. Yeah. Um, but it's good, and I enjoy it. And that's why, like I said, because it had no fantastical elements right. whatsoever, that's why it landed itself at, its, at my number five spot. But it is one of my favorite dark and weird retellings of a classic fairy tale well for me i think the main thing that i love about it is it was in the the decade of time when Kiefer sutherland was balls out crazy like you have like lost boys you have stand by me he was full-on nick caging it up yeah it was great like it was back in the time where i mean i know he has a reputation now for doing shit sure that was back in the time where i was like did you hear about donald donald sutherland's son taking a shit in a hotel lobby it's like yeah the stand by me kid he's weird like i love that time period of sure this is before 24 which is like my favorite keeper performance but this was crazy. Well, Kiefer. now Kiefer Sutherland's everybody's favorite badass dad. Exactly. You know well, what I mean? President. Sure. Know, or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever designated survivor. Right, I think right, right, right. I don't want to watch it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to no. watch it. But that that's, I love Crazy Kiefer. Like, I sure. love the decade of Crazy Kiefer, and this is right smack dab in it. So, oh, hands down. Good so, choice. That's Honor, my number it's five. an honorable mention for me. Um, it got pushed off by actually the one that's going to be my number three for when we come back. Nice. So why don't you real quick recap your five and four? Yeah, my number five was Legend by Ridley Scott. 
And my number four was The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Ooh, and my number five was Freeway. And my number four was Legend by Ridley Scott. I like it. Now go check out these fairy tales, motherfucker. <laughs> From executive producer Oliver Stone, meet Vanessa Lutz. The cat drinks milk. I love you so much, Chopper. I love you too, baby. Her dad just doesn't get it. Larry, get your goddamn hands off my anatomy. Her mom is clueless. You don't know nothing about nothing. You don't know a goddamn thing about nothing. And her life is no fairy tale. You having some kind of trouble? This is a story of A, murder. He's a guy that's been killing all them girls on the freeway, Bob. You gonna do sex to me now? B, revenge. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal <coughs> savior. I want that little monster to pay for this. Right now, we're the best friends you've got. I'm so sure. C, betrayal. You don't believe we're your friends? I believe you're out to ruin me. D, survival. Back in the hole, I decided all I need to live was my will. E, all of the above. I had this problem with anger. I didn't have to move! We need to put an end to the system that lets dangerous, violent thugs be prosecuted as juveniles. Holy shit. Look who got beat with the ugly stick. Kiefer Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon, Brooke Shields, Amanda Plummer. Freeway. Why are you doing this? I'm pissed off and the whole world owes me. And then, after the prince kissed the princess, they all died of gonocephalherpalates. Gonocephalherpalates? What's that, Grandpa? Ah, uh, well, kiss me and you'll find you show out. Me? <laughs> yes. Uh, ew. <laughs> ew. This took a dark turn, Q. Just like dark fairy tales, what? Jay. Good thing we're talking about them. I wish everyone could see our hands dramatically on our hips and our heads cocked to the side. I wish people could see it, but they can't. This episode is going to be made into a movie. I don't know if you heard that, but while we were on our break, it got optioned. That's so this episode really, has really been really optioned exciting. by Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. And he's going to be making a dark fairy tale version of this episode. Okay, so my only question and sure. my only demand sure. is that... You be played by Doug Jones. That's exactly what I was going to say. Fuck, that's ex literally exactly what I was going to say. You told me. Stole my joke. Hey. You stole my Doug Jones joke. <laughs> Calm down. Alabama Please Doug Jones. put that hammer down. Please. Son of a bitch. No, Joe. I really no. Make no, please. Please stay ah. back. Okay. Ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's going to be fine. That was pretty good, though, right? Yeah, was, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. That was literally Super the joke I was about nailed to make. It. I don't know Super how you picked up on it. that. It's because we're twinsies. And we are. We are. We're psychically uh -huh. linked forever. Well, if you're psychically linked, do you know what my number three is? I do. Ooh, what is it? I'm excited. Not as good as Q's number three. Oh, what if it's the same thing? Uh, then it's oh. perfectly as good as Q's number three. I can almost guarantee it's not the same thing. Okay. Um, 
Probably not. No. My number three, I don't think you're going to expect at all. So I'm My very curious. My number three, I don't think you're going to expect. Jay, lay your number three okay. on me. Is it Snow White? No. <laughs> it's not Snow White or The Huntsman. Okay, perfect. Um, those movies are terrible. Uh, my number three is Suspiria. Oh. Dario Argento. Mm, the yes. remake? No. No. Uh, although the remake, I'm curious to see sure. how they're going to do it. Okay. Um, I'm not. I haven't pushed it aside yet. Sure. I am nervous because I love you are the Argentine. Cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic that it could be done well. I fucking love the original Argentine. Sure. It's uh in as you know I'm a big horror hound. Absolutely. So watches me I I've, I think I've seen everything Argento has made. I love demons. Sure. Love demons is super fucking fun. Um but Suspiria I mean come on, witches. Like yeah. it's this is where I th- I feel like I may need to justify my choice. Not so yeah, I was going to say you just kind of explain. Okay, so if I told you this story, young girl goes to a boarding school in the deep dark woods, mm-hmm. begins dancing, is creative, then one by one her student friends begin to disappear at the hands of evil witches who run the school. Mm-hmm. And she has to stand up to those witches, become her own woman, and and ends by burning their house to the ground. Uh huh. You would say it's a pretty yeah. good. I, you could make the argument. That it that's is a very fairy tale esque. It's got it's got elements of kind of Hansel and Gretel with the candy enticing house. Sure. Being run by someone who's not who they seem, and also a little bit of kind of like the three bears, sure. sort of the same thing. It's like this enticing element, um, but. You know, the thing about this movie is I will look for any chance I get to put this movie on a list to talk about it because I think what Argento did was amazing. I think the sound design in this movie is freaking amazing. Um, the the color palette that they choose to use is at, at the same time very disorienting, but it feels like a painting. It feels like something coming to life right in front of your eyes. Sure. Um, and then... One of the things that I really, really love about it is the pacing. So this movie starts off incredibly mellow. So it's, you know, we've got our young hero. She is invited to this school. She has to go through the deep, dark woods to get there. It's a ballet academy. She begins dancing with all the other young women that are there. Um, And then, you know, weird things start to happen. But as the movie goes on, it's not just... It's not a flip a switch type of thing where it's crazy all of a sudden. It gets increasingly more terrifying and off the rails psycho as shit. Like over the course of the last 45 minutes. Sure. And there's something about the pacing of that movie that I don't know, I've heard people say that it's boring, but I just cannot get on board with that because it's so frenetic and I've already used that term in this episode so far but there's something about that movie that's so captivating to me um but thinking of it as a fairy tale you know the moral ends up being to fight against that oppression is to stand up for yourself stop drinking the Kool-Aid if you will because sure. very literally she's drinking spiked wine that's putting her to sleep sure um and then just the last 30 minutes where she finds out it's kind of the witches 
uh, what, and what they're doing, the the set decoration of the the different rooms that she has to go through, and then the fire at the end. It's just every element of the movie works for me, and it's terrifying and beautiful and haunting, and uh, it's it's thought provoking while it's also pulpy. It just kind of hits all the right notes for me. Sure. It's one of my it's it's up there when it comes to horror, but when it comes to dark fairy tales, through the lens of a dark fairy tale, I think this works incredibly well, which is why it's, you know, number three on my list. I'm into it, man. Uh this is one of those movies that I uh should have seen and still haven't seen. You haven't? I I can't recommend it enough. I think I think you uh, I wouldn't watch it with your girls. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I think you uh, you could get together with some friends and really have a good time watching this movie. Um, it's have you seen like Rosemary? I know you've seen The Exorcist, but like Rosemary's Baby and that yeah. kind of oh yeah. It's sort of like Rosemary's Baby. If every time Rosemary's Baby turned the dial up on the crazy, it's ex- exponentially turned up three or four more dials. Oh, okay. so like where Rosemary's Baby is like oh man, this a little like little weird stuff's happening and. Oh, it's a little crazy. Suspiria is kind of like, oh, weird stuff's happening. Now it's fucking really weird. Holy shit, what's happening? Oh my fucking god! Like it, they turn everything up to eleven. And so, if you like Rosemary's Baby, I would say Suspiria is definitely up your alley. Nice. Well, I'll definitely check it out then for sure. Um, and did you ever see? Um, you saw the Insidious movies, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The tone of those Insidious movies, even the. Uh, the opening credits where it's just like that hallway and then all of a sudden it's like insidious and the horns going yeah that's cribbed directly from suspiria really that's what suspiria's tone is it's that like very loud frenetic in your face colors movement into it it's all of that so okay it's so it's one that i i would recommend you track down i'm also curious in the remake it looks like um got some good names starring well Interesting names. Dakota Johnson is playing wow. the Susie character. Right, which I have told you I liked her on her television sure. shows. We do not like her in the Fifty, 50 Shades, Shades movies. movies. Um, uh, I still want her to show me she can be a good actress. It's also got Chloe Grace Moretz. Which I like her. And Tilda Swinton. Which I love, who Tilda. Is awesome. Yes. So... I'm curious. Who's uh who's directing it? Does it say? Yeah, it says the the person directing it is Luca Guadagnino. Luca Brazzi sleeps with who, the fishes. Who um let's see. Director-wise has done uh did Call Me By Your Name. Okay. Oh, and he had a couple more before that that were kind of Yeah, uh, also, Bigger Splash. Yeah, Bigger Bigger Splash is the one I've seen that was it it, it it's pretty intense, but I'm he's okay a, with him directing. Yeah, it. so he's doing. Um, he's doing. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So, a call me by your name. I'm cool with that. Director is going. Who was nominated? Yeah, this year. Well, I will say that the two movies he did previous to Call Me by Your Name were nothing like Call Me by Your Name. Really? They're more intense. Like they're darker. Okay. Um, call Me by Your Name is not a good case study to understand what he's like as a director. It's a good case study to see the quality of director he is, sure. but not the usual tone that he employs. Got it. That's so, what I would say about that. Solid number three, man. I'm into it, so I'm definitely curious to see what your two and one are. When I tell you my number two, you will know what my number one is. 
perfect. I, I, feel, already, I already have a feeling I do know what yeah. your number one is. So my number two uh-huh. is Edward Scissorhands. Ooh, solid. I am kicking myself for not even thinking about right? that Right? Absolutely. That was a late addition to my list because it kind of slipped under the radar, but totally 100%, 100% a fairy tale. 100% a fairy tale. I mean... Clearly, and an original fairy tale. Clearly defined heroes and villains. Definitely. Involves magical and otherworldly creatures and or creations. Absolutely. It has a crea- a a humanoid thing created by by an inventor. Absolutely. AKA Pinocchio. Sure. Um but then this one the monster turns out to be our hero just like we talked about that flip. And people are the real monsters. And people are the real monsters. Yep. Um you know the the all the morality focuses around this idea of beauty, which I like, you know, I like that the mom is an Avon salesman. I like that he, you know, is cutting people's hair. I like that you know the Pleasantville Feel, feel of, of everything, the, town, the black versus the white. Um, I just I love all and 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 I love that. Um, why am I blanking on his name? The the inventor, that's Edward's dad. Oh, Holy, wow, Vincent Price. I, thank you. I love that Vincent Price makes a cameo in that movie. Totally, and it's heartbreaking. Like Vincent Price's scenes are good. Yeah, in that I think they're probably the most emotionally impactful parts of that movie for me. Oh, except would, for the end. I would totally agree with that. And I love you know it. it I love the way that Burton pulls themes through, like the theme of snow. You know, it kind of starts off with telling sure. you about the snow. I just when it comes, I, I kind of think this is a perfectly crafted modern fairy tale. I will totally go with you on that, and I will say it is also peak Burton. Oh, if not the top of the peak, the highest base camp you sure, can get. Sure, for real. Man, what? What? I mean, I, I know don't this know. Isn't I feel Burton like there one. were several movies right there in a row right. that were kind of great. I, I mean, his Batman his kind Batman, of set the tone for what Batman could be yeah. at the time. It was very unique take on the character. Right. So that but was there's great. There's something about Edward Scissorhands being. Original. Edward Scissorhands, um, but that's also around the time that he did Pee-wee's Big Adventure, know, which, which is, is also good. weird and super yeah. off the wall and like heightened kind of weird yeah. reality. Um, but I would even say like some of my favorite Burton movies aren't are kind of some of his latter stuff too. I really love Big Fish. A oh, Big lot. Fish! And Big honestly, Fish that could have also totally been on here. Because that also is a dark oh, fairy tale dealing with the death of his father and finding out that these stories, these fairy tale like stories that his dad told him were lies and dealing with that. But then were they lies? And I that could have totally fit on here. Now I'm kind of kicking myself also for not thinking of that one. I can't. Man, I don't know. I think Big Fish may be my favorite Burton movie. Sure. Maybe. I think it's the most beautiful and and poignant movie he's ever made. Totally. Um I don't know it's such a thin line, but I don't know if I'd classify it as a fairy tale. Really? I but I don't know. Because like, it's all the whole like, thing's kinda, all about tall tales. Kinda, yeah, I know. I guess I guess it it would have to fit sure. in the definitions that has we fantastical put elements, deals yeah. with um the city or that town that he goes to is one of my yeah. favorite. I forget. Oh the, Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Whatever. I as love, the poet laureate. Yeah, and the, the the shoes up on the yeah. thing. Yeah, because you all never that. leave once you go yeah. there. You know, Spectre, that's the name oh, of the town. Oh, right, Spectre. Is. I, 
I'm trying to think. I can't think of a movie he's made since then that I've liked. Yeah, no. Like no, I think Big you. Fish. Well, was... I liked. I liked. Um, I liked Sleepy Hollow. Sleep. Did he did that after Big Fish? He did it before, but I also okay. liked um, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's pretty good. Yeah. It grew on me. It was one that I watched initially and did not like, and then watched again and was like, "Mm, actually, I think I might actually kind of like this movie. I may need to revisit it. I've only seen it the once. Sure. And it threw me. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like, man, this is great. It was just kind of like, okay. It's worth a second viewing. Um, but I would I'm I'm with you yeah. though with Edward Scissorhands. Because Edward Amazing. Scissorhands feels like a film. That was film. also uh be about around Beetlejuice era too, Beetlejuice, which is also yeah. peak Burton. Yeah, man. Peak Burton. We should do weirdness. a Burton episode. I'd love to. We okay, we'll put that on the He's got a, later. he's got enough where in, it would in, be surprising. Right. In his filmography yeah. that I think we could totally I mean knock we're out. both gonna share Frank and Weenie as our number one. Totally, sure. of course. Um, oh, but, that's your. Know, I was gonna say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, but, oh, yeah. Well, I see. I see. I was, dark Shadows one. for me. Yeah. All the oh, one hundred percent Die Hard, Dark Shadows. <laughs> but the Burton Dark Shadows. Yes. Fuck the TV series. Oh, is, was there a TV series? No, no. Eclipsed by the movie. Total eclipse of the Tim. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so that's solid, man. So, yeah, that's my number two. Is Edward? All right, I'm gonna pause you before we you get to number one it? i think we might share our number one i want to say it at the same time okay so i almost guarantee so i'm gonna it. give my three and two okay and then we'll we'll uniformly say or together we'll say our number and ones. then we can talk about that movie totally 100 <laughs> i know it's the same totally it, it, has it to better be, the, be the, same. the same okay so my number three Q's and we've both danced around mentioning it for this sure episode. i've noticed so it's gotta be that. which excites me because that means we get to do a jinxies for it too uh, so my number three, Q's number three is a movie that you and I talked about off the air, The Hollow. You classify that as a fairy tale. I absolutely would. Really? It's about a family encroaching on the woods of some woodland fairy tales, right. basically, in Ireland that they are warned by the outsiders yeah. that these creatures live in the woods, and it even deals with fairy tales right. in the story the characters have to look up in a book of folklore that's true about the changelings and how right. they'll steal your children and replace it with changelings the last 20 minutes of that movie is horrifying absolutely horrifying but great practical effects too I, oh 100 percent. but i would consider it a dark fairy tale because it has Ooh. it has fairy tale elements the um you know we'll just dive straight into spoilers kind of the the plot of the movie is a family moves to a very rural uh scottish i think it's scottish I think you're right it's scottish or irish um countryside right. and the father is a uh scientist like a eco scientist and he has been sent by a logging company right. to basically check the area for contaminants make sure the wood is good before a logging company comes in and tears it all down so right. it's basically like horror fern gully right <laughs> so i never even thought about that but you're so right <laughs> so you're so right he goes in and robin learns, williams would have made the hollows better totally and he learns a uh he learns a lesson the hard way no. that you don't fuck with the forest so basically the family moves there he's out testing the area and he runs across this kind of like black gelatinous ooze that's like in the trees but also in he finds like a dead deer carcass and it's like kind of covered in this goo and the goo kind of sounds like tim curry 
Totally. It's like sludge, sludge, beautiful sludge. Um, Takes it, a weird turn. It's, it it does movie. get very weird. Um, and then Robin Williams shows up. It's like, name is Betty. Get the fuck out of these woods. I'm blind. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. Uh, but the their surrounding neighbors basically start telling them these stories of oh. the Hallows, and the Hallows are the creatures that live in the woods and basically yeah. protect right. the woodland. And um, it kind of d- he takes a sample of this black goo home, and it starts to spread, kind mm-hmm. of like uh, the the symbiote in yeah. Spider Man. Yeah, and he gets infected with it at one point. That's the. Outside of the last 20 minutes, those scenes in the woodshed with him, like, oh man, seeing the twigs growing out of his arms. Yeah. That was. But he crazy. does a full on District 9 style oh, yeah. transformation. But he has also what I have, what I have come to call, he has an ash moment, like right. an Evil Dead ash moment where. You're basically just trying to get this character to his iconic look for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And his iconic look is very similar to an Ash or to a District 9. He has this like normal body and clothes with one ripped sleeve with a deformed arm with an eye patch. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He basically looks like a monstrous badass. <laughs> you does. know what I mean? A tree badass. Right. Um, but the so the plot is he basically um, they have a newborn baby mm-hmm. and he starts to change and the creatures start attacking them for encroaching on the woods and they steal their baby. Right. And the remainder of the last 20 minutes, like you said, of the movie is them trying to get the baby back. But, and then they get the baby back. But is it the baby? And then they're starting to wonder if this whole fairy tale about the creatures replacing your baby with a changeling, which is right. basically... A, a tree person. A tree person version of your baby. Right. Um, and it kind of has that good and bad, that defined, like, yeah. and once again in that one, you kind of realize people are kind of the monsters. Like, these things are also monsters, yeah. but they're really just, like, had they stayed clear of the woods like they're supposed to, they would have been fine. Right. Um, so, and it ends with a cool, like, ambiguous twist of, yeah. like, the family getting wiped out, basically, by this. And the logging company coming in and cutting down trees and you get to watch the trees like drive off With as like blue, black yeah. ooze like drips out of one of them. It's kind so of like I would, cabin fever a little bit. So I definitely considered it a I never even dark considered fairy tale. that. But given your explanation, I'm okay with it. I really like that movie. It's really so, good. Very underrated. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. I highly recommend everybody go check it out. Corin Hardy. Yeah. That was the first movie that I had seen him direct. Um, I know he's doing the Crow reboot with Jason Which Momoa that's be coming out. Weird and probably unnecessary. But, but you know what? He's a good director. With it, I, I was about to say, with him attached to it, I'm infinitely yeah. more interested. Um, but yeah, super good movie. Good choice. Good number three. Super good uh, practical effects. Oh, yes. So, Some of the best that we've seen in a while. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So check that out. Um, so that's my number three. Okay. My number two you spoke about earlier is The Shape of Water. Oh, wow. That high. Huh? It is totally that high. Only because I think it really embodies, outside of my number one, it really embodies the feel and look right. of what I would consider a dark fairy tale. Well, and that's, that's what I was saying earlier is I think it's Guillermo in... 
like dead center in his wheelhouse. Sure. You know? And I feel like he, above all, kind of really helps to define what this category mm. is. Everything looks kind of like real life, but slightly heightened. Yeah. There's something, and it's hard to put your finger on too. Like we could really technically delve into like the production design or the color choices or the angles that the camera uses, but everything comes together to kind of feel like this is like my life, but not really. Right. This is like my life, but a little bit more, a little bit elaborate heightened yeah a little, a little bit different a little more heightened a little more this is right. my life turned up to 11 right this one goes one louder um so that's my number two that's high that, so i with, think that that's that's a good i mean again i had it on my list i think it's a good embodiment of what a dark fairy tale is um it's not as good as both of our number ones nope um, so we want to do it. I, I think. I think we're we there should, now. Should, we're at the number one moment. Hands. We should hold hands. Should you ready? Hands? Here yes. we're just mash tips. Okay, we're just, All right, we're we're just pushing, mashing we're tips. tips in. All right. So my number one and my number one is Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yes! High five! Oh, this was as soon as we decided to do this list. Number one already. Oh, immediately. This is, and I'll. This is Guillermo's masterpiece oh i i wholeheartedly agree like there are a lot of movies from guillermo that i love i i will watch just about anything that he that he does this is far and away the best movie he has ever i was about to say this is not far and away that's a tom cruise movie. no yeah no this is far and away the best movie he's ever done sure uh this movie blew my mind yeah um he basically created a new fairy tale. Yeah. He took and and made visually and story-wise a brand new fairy tale. And well, that it even starts with the like a long time ago yeah. in a land that you're not familiar with. Right. Here's a king and a princess. It's like it's classic fairy tale set in like what is uh is the fifties? Uh, forty four. Forty four. Nineteen forty four. In Spain. Yep. And it was just. And the was... whole movie. Let's put this out there too. And I don't know how this is going to come across, but it feels more mythical to me as well because the whole movie is in Spanish. Yeah. And it's subtitled, so I find that way more, even more engaging. Right. Because it feels special to me you know what i'm saying and i remember this is you know when it first came out it was back in the time i've never truly minded subtitles you know some of the best movies in history especially you know if you're as big a cinephile as both of us are you end up seeing foreign movies and you kind of get used to subtitles but i remember when this movie came out i was fanatic for it and everyone was like, oh, well, that has subtitles. And I was begging people to not care about that. Right. I was begging people that I knew to be like, just watch it. I promise you it won't even matter. And even the way they did the subtitles was artistic and cool looking. Um, and it flowed with the film. Yep. I-, I love the the switch. One of my favorite things about the movie was the switch of the stepdad. Yeah, being the villain, uh-huh. but it's still classic fairy tale because it's an evil step parent. Totally, but it was different. There's a young girl, you know, a child that's the, that's the hero. Um, 
Doug Jones playing two of the best creatures I think Man, he's the ever fawn played. in this um is amazing. I I think the pale man is The Pale Man is one of is the, the scariest. scariest but and also most original movie yeah. characters that I've ever seen with the whole with his hands being the, the eyes hand. and But and he Guillermo his even, like withered legs. Yeah. Well in the and Guillermo even takes like classic fairy tale elements of like the but the the banquet that you can't eat and oh man the fairies the and the fairies it, one of them gets eaten in that scene which is just so gross and crazy but doug jones uh you know he's the monster in shape of water and everything else jesus he Christ. is basically he's he's in i think just about every guillermo del toro movie Somewhere. since this movie yeah um He's kind of become his muse because he was also in Hellboy one and two. He's Abe right. Sapien. Um, I will say, I'm sure he was a, a he Andy Circus something in Pacific Rim. I had to. I'm he, sure he was probably all every. He kaiju. was the robot. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing interesting I read about this movie is that Doug Jones was the only English actor on the entire set. Oh, interesting. And he does not speak Spanish, so he had to learn all of his lines. And Ophelia's lines, so he would know when and how to react because he does, he never spoke it. So he was the only person on set that didn't know what was going I on love like that. the whole time. Um, took something like eight to ten hours to get him in the fawn makeup. I mean, it was, but he looks so good. Oh, it's amazing! Like, it's so it's beautiful. This is one of the most beautifully shot and beautifully realized Man. worlds that I've ever seen. Well, and and one of the reasons, not only is it number one for me because of everything that we've talked about, but Guillermo's so detail-oriented that even the score is based off of a lullaby. Oh, really? Like, the music is all based off famous Spanish lullabies. Oh, I love that. So every element of, of the movie really plays into that idea of fairy tale. And one, this is definitely not a movie for kids. Oh, even no. Even though everything about it feels like a fairy tale directed to oh, absolutely. kids. Um, you know, it's very, it's very, very violent. It is. Oh, man, that hammer. <sighs> the hammer scene. The hammer scene, which it, the wine bottle scene. Oh, man. I remember the first time I saw that movie and they didn't cut away from the wine bottle being smashed into that guy's face. And I was like, why aren't they cutting away? Yeah. You always cut away in movies for this. Like, always. It was brutal. Yeah. And then the end. But I with, mean. But the villain, too, and his awesome, like, his cut in his face. And then there were parts where he would, like, drink and it would, like, see, it would like weep yeah. through his bandage and stuff. And I was like, that's just so awesome. Yeah. The detail in it. And this is one that I think, you know, where Legend, it's all fantastical. Freeway, right. it's none, none of it's fantastical. fantastical. Um, Edward Scissorhands has one element that is fantastical. Right. I think this movie is kind of the perfect balance Sure. Of both of those was even Shape of Water. The monster's there and present and everyone knows about it the whole time. With with Pan's Labyrinth, it there is a a real life story going on, and then there are these fantastical elements going on, and they cross weave perfectly, but only for the audience. Sure. So the only us people hearing the story are privy to what's going are on. Are privy to the fairy tale. 
And there was something beautiful about that to me. And I love just, not only is her stepdad a villain because he is an epic villain, but the, the paranoia that seeps in throughout the movie sure. for him because like, Oh, everybody's a spy. And ironically enough, everyone is a spy. So right. he's justifiably paranoid. But anyway, that's beyond the point. And then kind of the, I, I, I hesitate to spoil the end because it's such a great thought. And I'll, I'll dance around it, but I love that it's sort of open-ended and you could either take it as a very sad ending or a very hopeful Right. Um, it even has a gigantic frog. Right. I mean, come on. That's that's like classic fairy tales. Classic a gigantic, fairy tale. A gigantic, a gigantic amphibian. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, come true on. fact. This was this was by far and away easy for me to say this was my number one. I um, totally. Everything else just kind of fell into place after this because when I hear the phrase "dark adult fairy tale," it's Pan's Labyrinth. I 100%. agree, one hundred percent. Yay. And when I hear the words dark adult fairy tale, I immediately think of the fairy, Bear Winch Project. Fairy porn. Oh, I was going to say the Bear Winch Project. For sure. Yeah, yeah that too. For sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, good list. Man, yeah, good list. Now we get to Jinxies. We do on Pan's Labyrinth. And I haven't seen that movie in a, in a little Me while either. either. So, so it'll be fun to rewatch. Solid watch. Um, my other uh, honorable mention that uh, neither of us neither of us talked about was Black Swan, by Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah, but it that one was harder to justify. Sure, but it still has some of those elements, and I love that movie. Very, so. and it's very parable esque. Yes, mm-hmm. parable. It's more parable esque than fairy tale esque. Oh, for sure. Which is why it was honorable mention only. Into that, it. That and Freeway were my two honorable mentions. But now that I've gotten fairy porn in my head, I gotta go watch it. Well, do you want to recap our list and then go watch fairy porn? Yeah. Are you gonna watch it with me? Sure. Of course. Let's do it. All right. Let's watch them fairy tales. <laughs> um, my number five was Legend by Ridley Scott. Uh huh. My number four was Shape of Water by Del Toro. My number three was Suspiria by Dario Argento. Number two was Edward Scissorhands by Burton. And my number one was Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro. Another solid J-list. I thought so. I, I felt good. I told you earlier today I felt good about this one. And mine, uh, my number five was Freeway. Mm-hmm. My number four was Legend. My number three was The Hollow. My number two is Shape of Water. And my number one is Pan's Labyrinth. Well, we're going to we're going to end this right here and yeah. go watch some fairy yeah. porn. I'm already taking um, my pants off. If if you guys would, everyone who's listening, please share your top 5 favorite dark fairy tales. Do it. Um did we miss any that should have been on our list? Did we rank things incorrectly? Let us know either in the comments on our social. Uh, we talk to everybody everywhere, so so let us know. Um, you can get in contact with us. You'll hear the the end plugs here in a second, but um, you know, give us a good rating. We really, it makes us get our, our heart flutteries when you give us a five-star rating. For on sure. Stuff. So, um, does it make you uncomfortable that I'm already masturbating? No. Okay. No, no. I does my voice sound weird when I masturbate? Not ironically, no, but I think the amount of practice that you've had really helps with that. And the thing that I would add to that is, uh, you know, when we're really... Th- we have reached the end of another High Five for podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at my5 
at highfivepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on Twitter at high the number five the podcast Instagram at high five the podcast or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? <sighs> Terminal clown shit? Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here. Psst. Hey, you. You made it to the end of the podcast. And guess what? There's a little something at the end of the credits. And for those of you that didn't make it, go five yourself. And now, another installment of Dramatic TV Show Theme Song Readings with Jay. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest, they sing out in chorus, marching along as their songs fill the air. Gummy bears! Bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Magic and mystery are part of their history, along with the secret of gummy berry juice. Their legend is growing. They take pride in knowing they'll fight for what's right in whatever they do. Gummy bears. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. They are the gummy bears. And that concludes this week's edition of Dramatic TV Show Theme Song Readings with Jay. Good night. <laughs>